Welcome to the fight with Teddy Atlas, presented by Dynamic Striking. I'm Ken Rideout, joined as always by the voice of combat sports, the great Teddy Atlas. Teddy, you're a big star on the UFC broadcast. I must have received about 100 different messages of people saying they loved you on the ESPN broadcast of the John Jones fight. Thank you. Appreciate that. It was it was nice being out there with all those great UFC um, commentators, everybody. I mean, they really have the best people out there, Michael Bisping and... Uh, just, just, they, they have, they're just the best. You have John Anik, Anthony Smith. I work with them. I work with Rashad. Um, he was tremendous. Rashad Evans. Yeah, he was, he was unbelievable. They're all gentlemen besides being beasts. Uh, Megan Olivia, um, she's unbelievable. Uh, besides being beautiful, she's beautiful inside. Uh, she does a tremendous job. They they just all do. Mike Michael Evans from ESPN, he was out there too. Um, just the whole team. They're they're a quality team, a quality broadcast. You know, I always talk about nobody gets a free pass in the octagon. I mean, it's unlike boxing, they're all fighting top, you know, fighters. I mean, nobody's getting a layup, and it's the same thing with the commentators. Uh, they're all top shelf guys and girls. Um, ladies, uh, every everybody is just the you know the top of the heap, so to speak. Of all the guys you've mentioned, Teddy, I, I'm most jealous that you got to work with as as great as all the fighters are. John Anik is the equivalent for announcers. He's like best well, he's, in class. Not surprisingly, he's from Boston, but he is he's the best at it. The way he works in the promotions during the fight. What well, a punch a to the face brought to you by three. No, he's a master. And the good news to our audience <laughs> is that John Anik and Anthony Smith are coming on next week. So that's, that's just, that's going to be oh, tremendous. Awesome. Uh, they are the best. Charlie Monahan, he runs things out there. There's a few people that do, but uh, for me, he's the man. Uh, they're all good. They're all good. What they do. Dave Lockett. I got to see Dave Lockett, the UFC PR guru, uh, he really is. Oh, he's, he's the, the best. He's the best at what he does. Yeah, it reminds Total me of uh, Fred Sternberg in boxing, the equivalent of that. But he he's really yep. he really is the best. He's unbelievable. Shout out to the great Fred Sternberg, boxing PR yeah, and, extraordinaire. And Dave Lockett, he, he, they're all good at what they do, and they're all good people. And he's been getting us all these top, top fighters on this uh, show. Dave also got me the media credentials for the Long Island show, yeah, so no, thanks again to good Dave. Person good man. He's, like I said, he's great at what he does. Um, he gets us all these stars on our show, and we're, we're going to, I think we're going to reach out to John Jones, and he came up to me after the fight when he was coming on the set, and he said hello to me, and he, I, I don't know, he's, he, he's special, obviously. We're going to talk about his fight, uh, the GOAT. Uh, we'll go into all that. But um, before we another another before we get started with that, I'd like to get Sam to give me a drum roll, um, please. And um, let's get that drum roll, please. There it is. Okay. Now this is not for John Jones, the new heavyweight champion, but this is for my man Ken. Right out the 2023 Tokyo Marathon champion in the 50 and older class, just back from Tokyo. Um, wow, 
great job. I gotta I gotta put the stats out there. He ran a two twenty nine nineteen, which is extraordinary for anybody. Forget about for a fifty year old. But and he was three and a half minutes ahead of his next closest rival or competition in his age group. Three and a half minutes uh, ahead. So he was all by himself. He was very lonely uh, out there running. <laughs> but that's how it is when you're the top gun. Congratulations. Oh, thanks, Ted. I appreciate you. First time ever I've been able to run a negative split, meaning finish the second half stronger than I ran the first half, which uh, takes a ton of discipline. You know, you're ready to, like, get cracking. And um, the time change, I'm just, I'm relieved more than anything. You know, there's so many variables flying all the way over to Tokyo and then getting ready for the race. It's, everything's foreign, the food, everything. But um, yeah, it all worked out. I'm so incredibly relieved. In the last 17 months, I ran all six of the World Marathon majors, London, New York, Berlin, Chicago, Tokyo, and uh, Boston. I won three of them. Um, and I came you in second. You're like those in the tennis greats that so. do the Grand Slam. <laughs> I mean, yeah, uh, that's uh, that's got to be the Grand <laughs> Slam of, of of marathon racing. I mean, and and the next one, I don't know that anyone's done them that I fast. Mean, it's it's really hard because London was at a. Normally, there's only um, you know they have all six of them all year, but it's hard to run more than two marathons a year. So I ran three last year, two in. Chicago, uh, London and New York, I ran a month apart. And then Chicago and Berlin, I ran 14 days apart. So I got them all in in 17 months. And, um, you know, the two, two of them that I didn't win, I lost by less than a minute. Um, and then in Berlin, I just ran terribly, but I could have and should have won that one if I had executed. The guy ran 230. I should have well, run 228. I was in such good shape. You got I just the, made some mistakes. You got the Chicago coming up next. Am I correct? That's the next one. And mm -hmm. you. Yep, world championships and you'll be in October. The, your title in that one, am I correct? I mean, oh. No, no, no. Last year I didn't run the world championships. It was in London. Oh, okay. I had done London the year before. This year I had I did um I skipped it because I wanted to get all of them in and then I knew that this year was going to be in Chicago instead of flying over to London. I can just, you know, this no time change in Chicago Is for there me, any so doubt that we're going to get the, the world championship this time? Yeah, not in my mind. What what will it take to it. to win it? I mean, you just ran a two twenty nine, nineteen. What will it take to, and and it 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 should be a little easier because you're not you're not dealing with that traffic, you know, all the uh, that traveling. I'm sorry, all the way over to Tokyo. So I would yeah. think it would be a little easier on you physically with without going transcontinental. But what what would you have to run? I mean, what are you? What are we talking about? I, th well, put it this way: I don't think I can run faster than one, uh, two twenty-six, maybe two twenty, two twenty-seven, maybe two twenty-six on a good day. The only thing that is out of my control is um, last year and this past uh, World Championships in London that I wasn't there. The guy who won the age group ran two twenty-five. I mean, I don't think on my best day I can run two twenty-five. Who knows? I've still got time to prepare, but I think. On my best day, 226, 227. But the only thing I can't control is like what other people do. So if someone shows up and is like runs 224, well, 225. Oh, the guy that won the world championship like, last with year. What did he run? He ran 225, but that's an, an extreme outlier. Oh, that was the one that's in, the only yeah. guy in the, um, in the age group that's run faster than like 229 yeah. in the world at that age group. So 
you know, and he won it last year. He's Belgian. Who knows? If he shows up, he shows up. The bottom line is we're going to all start together and everyone's identified by their, by the numbers in the age group and we start together. So whoever goes for the lead early, I'm going to be going with them and either win or die trying. But well, I'm not going to let anyone get you, away look, from me. You won the Tokyo Marathon. You're, you're tremendous. Congratulations. Um, we're proud of you. Thank you. Uh, it, it really, it's quite an accomplishment. It, it really, really is. Two things that were a massive help to me is number one, I was eating before I left. I was eating the meals from um, Factor Meals. And today's episode is brought to us by the newest sponsor of the Fight Podcast sponsors. Uh, the sponsor is yeah, Factor, they're, Factor they're Meals. Things. Factor they're gets good. you ready to eat healthy meals. Yep, they deliver them straight to your door, Teddy. I've been, like I said, I've been loving them. Because I've been running so much, I eat them two at a time. Um, but if you're trying to lose weight and you eat one of them, you should be good to go. Factors fresh, never frozen meals are ready in just two minutes. So all you need to do is heat and enjoy. No matter your preference, Factor has you covered. They've got keto, calorie smart, vegan and veggie, protein plus and more. Simply head over to factormeals.com slash atlas50. That's code is atlas, A-T-L-A-S, 5050. Use the code Atlas50 to get 50% off your first box. Factor uh, factormeals.com slash Atlas50 to get 50% off your first box. The other thing that I did, Teddy, was took my Athletic Greens yeah. travel packs with me. AG1, they've been with us from the You're beginning. You're making Athletic Greens look good. Let me tell you, baby. Yeah, because you just keep winning, you hey, keep running. They've you contributed. Know, you're making them look good. I mean, I don't know who's carrying who. You carrying them, they carrying you. I don't know. It's a, it's a joint, 50, it's 50, a joint 50, collaboration. 50. But getting back to those factor meals, yep. I the only thing I would add to them is kind of what just touched on, but maybe one other thing. They they taste good. Um nutritionally they have a value to them the it's the right stuff that you're eating but they're convenient i mean you could pop them in and you know if you're on a run and you don't have time you know for for such things as uh cooking and you know getting yourself uh spending time you know with the meal preparation they're they're fast and uh yeah, too often you're running all over the place, you know, when you when you get a busy schedule and you miss a meal and you you pay for it. You you've you feel messed up later in the day, you're not as sharp as you wanna be. And this is a great way to not miss a meal and not to have to grab a cheeseburger like I would do uh back in the day, uh instead of uh grabbing the right stuff. So anyway, where I feel proud that of what you did, I feel proud of our promotions you know ken with the promotions that we do um the people that we do have you know that are sponsoring us what i feel good about is that we believe in all of them that we're not doing of anything course. that we don't feel is a good product a product that we can put our name out there and attach it to and our reputation on the line with it and that um you know there's nothing but good stuff about the product so anyway if i I I would never want to I would never want to promote something for just because we're getting paid to do it if we didn't believe in it and everything we do we we truly do believe in it so anyway go ahead what were you gonna say yeah and 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 not 
and nothing speaks more to the message of this podcast than Athletic Greens. They're sim- it's simply just a no-lose proposition. Whether you're eating the healthiest diet in the world or you're not, Athletic Greens make sure they've got you covered with 75 whole food source ingredients. Just mix a scoop with a little bit of water in the morning. Boom. Easy. Make sure you get all the vitamins and minerals you need throughout the day. And if you order using our code ATLAS, Promo code ATLAS, you'll get 10 free travel packs with your first purchase. And like I said, I take those travel packs with me everywhere. I took them to Tokyo. I actually took two the first day I arrived because I was traveling so long. So I ran the race um, like 36 hours ago, went straight to the airport, flew for 20 hours back home, got up and did an easy seven-mile jog this morning to loosen my legs up. And I'm back in the groove, took my athletic greens, and I'm ready to roll. Don't put the lights out because you might light up. The whole room because you got so much stuff <laughs> going through your veins right now. Good stuff, clean stuff. None of the stuff that um, gets you in trouble. Uh, the other thing I want to say Hell is, no. when I was over there, I I saw Michael Bisping and uh, he he's anxious to come on the show too. So uh, we got a lot of great UFC people down the down the pipe that hopefully we'll get them on the show. We'll get all of them on the show. So. Anyway, let's get to, uh, we don't want to miss the boxing, so we got boxing and UFC. Yeah, before we get to the main course, let's talk uh, boxing. Um, Jared Hurd makes his come makes a comeback, and he fights um, Resendez. Um, let me get the exact details. He gets, he gets, st- um, Jared Hurd gets stopped in the 10th round due to a severe cut. Um, not exactly the comeback he was looking for, but I'm curious to hear what you thought about that one. Jared Hurd trained by his dad, if I'm not mistaken, and, uh, you know, that can always present different challenges. And I know there were a lot of people on, um, a lot oh, of people listen. on, um, on, on Twitter, like weighing in with their opinions. He lost to Armando, uh, Resendez, who was 14 and one with 10 KOs, um, you know, Jared Hurd drops the 24-3 and three on 16 knockouts. You know, spoiling the return of the 154-pound former champion. Yeah, listen, the the ship has sailed on his career, I believe, anyway. I mean, he, he's a former champ, as you said. He'd been inactive. He got stopped late in the fight on a very bad cut lip. The commentators didn't even let you know what was going on with the cut. I mean, we figured it out. The doctor was up there. They came up there, and, and you saw the corner putting a towel to it, so you knew something was going on with the lip, but they really didn't tell you anything about it. But probably got cut by an uppercut. He was eating uppercuts all night long. It just shocks me. And he was delivering uppercuts, too, on on his opponent, but on Resendez. But it just shocks me that nobody corrects a mistake like that for all the years he's always gotten hit with uppercuts and you know he's gotten away with it he's overcome people when he was a little younger with his strength his physicality his toughness you know but that's not always going to be working for you if i had a fighter i'm not bragging anything but i'm telling you i don't leave the gym to that that floor is corrected i don't I, I, it's got to, I'm not moving on to the next thing that we're working on this. No, we're correcting. If that is that outstanding a flaw that my guy's getting hit with that every, I, I got to correct it. I got to correct it. I, I, otherwise I don't think I'm a trainer. I shouldn't be in the business. If I, if there's something that is that obvious and, and that detrimental to my fighter and that 
happening that often. I got to correct it. So it's just shocking that he still gets hit with uppercuts the way he does. But look, as I said, he, um, former champion, the story of the fight that it was a good action fight uh, with Resendez, for the most part, was always having the upper hand, Ken. You know, for me, it seemed like youth was served. You know, Resendez is younger, he's fresher, uh, Hurd is a little shop-worn, and, and he's, he's very predictable. He's never really improved. You know, when he won the title, he was able to get away with it. He was able to beat guys. He beat a good former, well, former champion in Lara, one of his wins, his big uh, close fight, very close fight, but he was younger than him. His, he was able to outstrength him and beat a, a really good fighter in Lara who was old, who was, who was past his best. But it was a good win for him. And like I said, he won the title he won it on strength. He won it on toughness, physicality. And he, he was able to get away with some of these mistakes. You get older, you don't get away with them. And um, very, like I said, very one-dimensional, uh, just too too predictable, too easy to hit. Uh, Resendez is no, you know, Mayweather. I mean, he's no Pinnell Whitaker. Uh, you can hit him too. But he was younger. He mixed in a little leg movement, moving around, which was smart, keep... You know, keep Hurd a little bit off stride, a little bit off balance. Uh, he was able to mix that in, which was good. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, anything that Hurd did or tried to do, Resendez came back and finished up better and stronger. Kind of like, anything you could do, I could do better. You know, it was kind of like that, where the younger guy was just... Not going to get outworked. You know, he, like I said, he was fresher. Every time that Hurd tried to get something going, uh, he couldn't, the other guy would come back and and finish it up uh, stronger than he did and, and get the upper hand, you know, step on the gas and just pass him. Kind of like you in a race, that if, if you're running head-to-head with a guy and, and then all of a sudden you just pass the guy. You know, because you have that, obviously, gas tank to go past them. And that's that's what Wazendis did. At the end, they stopped it. I think it was in the 10th round with, with that cut. But um, Wazendis was in charge. You know, a nice win for the kid. Uh, that's, I mean, it doesn't, there's nothing much else to cover about that fight, to be quite honest. It was a good it was a good fight between two guys that, and I want to say this the right way because I'm not knocking them in any way. They're two tough guys, but they're for me they're not the next upper echelon. You know, where you have to have a little more finesse to you, uh, a, a, a little something else going for you at that next level. Um, but just two tough, solid guys that got it on. And um, for the most part, it was fought in close quarters, which usually makes, you know, I would call it a telephone booth fight, makes for a good fight. Uh, like I said, the only thing that strayed from that was Resendez moved around them a little bit in spots, which did make a difference. It gave him a little edge. Anyway, nice, nice fight. I, I just don't see heard. I hope he gets a long rest. Uh 
I hope they give him a a good long rest because he took a he took a lot of shots. I think the cut is going to demand that he gets a rest, whether his people realize it or not. The cut will keep him out long enough where he will. But he's he's taking a lot of he's taking a lot of punches when he fights. He took a lot of punches Saturday night. Let the guy rest. Let's go. What's next? Two former world champions fight for the WBC, vacant WBC featherweight tighter, title. Uh, Brandon Figueroa in action against Mark McSayo. Figueroa wins a one-sided uh, decision. The judges had it 17-09 twice and 118-108. Uh, McSayo's people suggested that it was a terrible decision, um, which in boxing could have been... Um, but nevertheless, it was a, it was a really good fight. It looked a little more competitive than the one sided um, scorecards. But curious to get your thoughts on this one. Yeah, my friend Pedro, uh, one of the best lawyers in the world, and more importantly, a good friend, and just a a huge boxing fan, told me I got to watch this because you were flying back from farther than me. But I'm flying back from Vegas. All I was doing was my job out there with UFC so I didn't get a chance to see it so I had to watch it on the phone can you imagine I'm I'm a scientist I, can, <laughs> I did the I, same I thing I can watch stuff on the phone now really I never thought that was ever going to come out of my mouth that that Teddy Atlas was going to watch a fight on the phone that I that I could be that sophisticated but somebody set it up for me right you had good company because I watched that I watched that on the phone as well on the uh, flight trying to get ready for today's show yeah and it was grainy so so full disclosure you know, I couldn't see it the way I would like to see it, but I saw enough of the fight. And my man, my p friend Pedro was right. It was a hell of a fight. It really was. It was a heck of a fight to watch. Uh, it's probably going to be up for fight of the year. I don't know what else are candidates for it, but that definitely would be one of the candidates. Great crowd there that was back in uh, Figueroa. Um, really, Figueroa is the definition of being a fan-friendly fight uh, fighter. He, he really is. Uh, he only knows one direction forward. Uh, he, he's like the energy bun uh, energizer bunny, where he just keeps going. He, you wind him up, you point him straight ahead, and he comes out, and he throws punches. And he, he walks forward, and he throws punches. And um, game as they come, uh, terrific, terrific matchup. Uh, Maxayo was, I think, the better puncher, physically a little stronger. But like I said, Figueroa's a volume puncher, you know, who, who's, uh, it's not complicated. I mean, he's going to look to get on your chest and stay on your chest. Um, he's, he's a resilient kid, Figueroa. I got to say this. Some people won't like it, but I got to say it. I... I don't know what he's going to look like and talk like 10 years from now. I really don't. I, I love him. I love the way he fights. I love what he represents. I love that he's involved with his family. I, I, I love that, he, that the, he makes the fans happy. I want to see him make money. But with his style, with the kind of punishment that he absorbs, I'd be worried. I'd be worried that, like, you know, get your career done and, and then get out. You know, don't don't stay longer than you have to. Guy like Floyd Mayweather, there's a reason he can stay to 50. You know, because you don't get hit. But a guy like Figueroa, he gets hit. And um, I know everyone gets hit. I get it. But some get hit more. Some get hit more. 
and Figueroa gets hit more. Uh, we love him. We applaud him. I do. But he's the one taking the punches, not us. And um, that would be one of my concerns. But Maxoya, uh, my sag- Maxayo, I want to pronounce it right, Maxayo, he, he won the early part of the fight with what I could see, and he was mixing in a little movement. Like I said, Figueroa's just coming at you. He was mixing a little movement, countering really well, and he was engaging Figueroa in spots too. And um, he won the first part of the fight, but the constant pressure, and that's part of the fight plan with Figueroa, and, and body punching. His body punching is really an important part of what Figueroa does. He looks the way it down. And he throws a beautiful uppercut to the body, by the way. Uh, he, he, he just keeps coming. He started to wear down Mike Sayo later in the fight. Started to wear him down. But to Maxayo's credit, when he started to get worn down, all of a sudden he'd find a burst. And that's what the fight became. It became the steady, relentless pressure of Figueroa versus the spurts. The 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 all of a sudden like like just a rain burst. Just a rain burst from the clouds of punches would come from Maxayo. Just just like that. Bang, bang, boom, boom. And they were probably a little harder than Figueroa's. And they may have stolen or captured rounds for him they definitely had to steal or capture some of the rounds when he did that they weren't as steady and consistent as the attacks of Figueroa but they were more explosive and when they did happen they happened in spots where those spots could carry around so it wasn't the easiest fight to score in the world but I don't care if you're the three blind mice. It was a close fight. A really close competitive fight with Mike Sawyer. Both guys have a lot of guts. But McSayo showing guts when it looked like he was getting worn down. Coming back with those bursts every once in a while sporadically at the end. um, Kept himself right there. It was weird. There was some strange stuff going on. The referee took two points away from Maxayo late in the fight for holding. I don't know if they were warranted. it. I was getting a grainy picture. Um, I, I don't know if he got warnings before that happened enough to just suddenly take points away. I don't know. But it just seemed a little hometownish that all of a sudden he got two points taken away light in the, late in a very tough fight maybe they were warranted a little bit but I don't know about two of them Uh, I mean it's not like he was an octopus you know wrapping around the guy quite to that extent but anyway uh, that was part of it and then what was strange too was it looked like there was knockdowns it looked like from what I could see Ken where the pressure was getting to Maxayo Maxayo a little bit and, and he either took a knee or he got forced down to the ground a little bit. And there were no, it was, it was strange. Like I said, I wish I could have saw it on TV where I could have saw it a little clearer and understood it. Maybe the commentators would have, would have brought a little more, uh, you know, a, a little bit more of uh, 
picture of what was going on, a, a, a little more exp explanation of what was going on. But when you're watching on your phone, you're stuck with what you have. And it just looked like he went down to the ground. He got forced to the ground a couple of times. And the referee just kept picking him up, just kept like helping him up, brush the gloves off, go back to work. Um, so it did have some really, like I said, some weird connotations to the fight with the referee interjecting in there in the ways that I just said, but it didn't stop it from being a, a bomb burner, a just great theater. Really, both guys knowing how to behave. Forget about knowing how to fight. Knowing how to behave like fighters, behave like champions, both of them. They're both champion uh, when it comes to that. Uh, and at the end of the day, I would never take it away from Figueroa the way he fought the fight. I'm not saying he didn't win the fight. But when I heard those scorecards, uh, they, were, they were not in line with what I saw. They were not in line with what I saw, baby. Uh, it, it should have been much closer. But I, I get it. You know, I just said it, that they took points away, and obviously that impacted the scoring of the fight. But that fight, no matter who you liked, was really close. Again, I, I say Figueroa won it, but he won it close. Uh, the you know the more explosive, harder shots and spots by Mike Soyo, Mike Sayo, um, versus the steady rain, just a steady monsoon, always, always raining on you, always rain. It's like that cartoon, you know that cartoon Ken or the comic book that the cloud was always following that guy around raining on him and a freaking guy couldn't get away from the cloud that was following him raining on him that's that, that cloud is Figueroa he's that cloud you can't get away from the son of a gun he's always following you around raining on you oh he you know and like I said every once in a while a little thunderstorm would burst out uh, from Mike Sayo um, that would disrupt it it made it made a great fight. It really did. I'm, I, I'd like to see if it winds up being fight of the year. Uh, just, just good stuff. Uh, really good. Before we get to the UFC, just a quick message to um, Evan on Twitter. I don't want to say his last name, but um, sent me a, a passive-aggressive message saying that we were losing credibility because we missed the um, Subriel Matias fight on Showtime the week before. Apologies for uh, not discussing. I know it was a thriller. Sub Subriel Matias got the win. Um, but I just want to say, it's you, you get much more of a response from us if you simply say, hey, you guys, can you guys provide a breakdown and some coverage on the Matias fight? I was flying to Tokyo. Teddy missed it. I take all responsibility for not flagging that fight for Teddy. But um, just in general, guys, you get a lot more with uh, we sugar can't than cover vinegar. Don't, I mean, it's, it's don't all, send me nasty messages on Twitter publicly that I'm losing credibility. I'm a boxing fan just like you. What the hell do I have for credibility anyway? I don't put boxing in my Twitter handle like some of you. I'm a boxing fan. Teddy's the analyst. If I, if I miss something, I'm sorry. I hope I didn't ruin your day. A, simply, a simple kind reminder goes a long way. But if you want to be a jerk, don't be surprised when other people treat you like a jerk. Try a little kindness and we'll get to the fight. And I would have probably asked Teddy to review it if you had asked me nicely. But because we have so much else to dis discuss today, we're going to have to miss that one. So in the future, how about a little kindness, Evan? 
um, with that Teddy UFC card. Wait, what wait, a wait, wait, Ken, show. Ken, let me, uh, let me. Uh, I'm with you. I get it, but it's hey, look, people, you know, it's like fans. They, they, it's short for fanatic. They get a little fanatical. It happens. What are you gonna do? I, I'll give you a real quick thought about about that. I I didn't see the fight. I know it was a good fight, but M- Matias, first of all. I know he's a physically strong guy that likes to come forward, kind of like Figueroa, except he's not. He's stronger. He's physically stronger than Figueroa. Um, he's a relentless guy that likes to walk you down. You can hit him. So I don't know. Somebody one day might be the right guy or the wrong guy for him, but obviously he's very successful uh he got another nice win um and he's a guy that had a fatality in his career where uh, you're going to remember now Ken when I say this he, he was in a ring with the fighter from California from Oxnard uh that used to train in the gym where I was training uh where I was training Volsey yeah uh, Dev- exactly god bless him god bless him and um he he, he you know uh, Matias was the fighter who was in the ring with him, and you know, like I said, it uh, the worst nightmare for any fighter that his opponent uh, didn't come out of the ring. And obviously, one of the reasons why I'm always so critical of judges when they're wrong, because I always say to them, "What are you doing? Yeah, do you understand what you're doing when you rob a kid? You're you're forcing them back on the line." to take more punches to get to where he wants to get to. And this is an unforgiving business where sometimes they don't come out of the ring. And that was one of those times that uh, Matias was in the ring uh, where his opponent didn't come out. So anyway, he's a, he's a fun guy to watch, Matias. Ponte, you know, it was, it, was, it was a good fight. I mean, two solid yeah. guys. So he fought uh, Matias, got the uh, stoppage over Jeremiah's Ponce, or Ponce. Um, uh, Ponce went down hard in the fifth, and his corner stopped it, um, rightfully so. It was a one-sided beatdown. Matias uh, was ahead on the cards, 49-45. But anyway, the point is, we're not perfect, man. And that's the kind of fight Matias has, Rob. I'm sorry, Ken. As Matias wears you down. But go ahead, finish. Yep. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, we try to cover everything. If we miss something, to send me a nasty message saying the podcast is losing credibility, you sound ignorant when you do that. And we're not out here talking crap about other people and being nasty. So why don't you return us the same courtesy and just ask me nicely, hey, you missed that one. Can we get a coverage of that? Sure, no problem. You got Ken upset. Do you understand? You upset Kenneth. You upset Kenneth. Take personal jabs at me. Don't do that. I don't claim to have any credibility to begin with. So take it easy. Remember that. Remember anyway. that. Remember that great. I I used to love in living color. Homie, don't play that. <laughs> Homie, don't play that. Do you remember they I did love, a skit where Homie. they were? Uh, loved them. Love remember that. they remember they had the skit where the two guys are in prison and they're like they're like jailhouse lawyers and they're always trying to use fancy words and the guy does a little skit one day and I was working at the as a guard in the prison when this thing was out and it and it was so accurate the guy did a little skit for the other inmates and he says guards to the left guards to the right the guard in the tower is sleeping tonight and that was me out in the tower on the 12 to midnight shift taking a nap here and there whenever I could 
Uh, less. <laughs> I digress. Um, let's get into the UFC. We got a ton to yeah. discover. Uh, fight card World kicks off. coverage. We bring everything. Just so you know, there, there one or two. Maybe some people think that we're coming up short, but we try not to come up short. We try to cover <laughs> it all. We covered the two fights uh, in boxing, and you know what we're doing. We're not just covering the main event and the co-main event. We're going to give a quick coverage of all five of the main event fights. Let's go, baby. That's right. We're going to kick it off with uh, Bo Nickel moves to 4-0. Oh, the uh, extra wrestler extraordinary beats Jamie Pickett in the first round. He got him with an uh, arm triangle, which was interesting because the technique he was using on the arm triangle, and again, we don't profess to be MMA experts or BJJ experts, but listening to DC describe it, you can't help but to recognize when someone's technique isn't perfect, and Bo Nickel would probably be the first one to say he doesn't have his MMA game, isn't nearly as perfected as his wrestling. He got him in an arm triangle. He could have used better technique, but he eventually was just so strong and so overpowering, he got the tap from Pickett. Um, just complete domination. Once he grabbed the hold of him, uh, Bo Nichols just put on a grappling exhibition. The guy's unbelievable. He moves to 4-0, and but like Rogan said as he was interviewing him after the fight, he's like, it's unprecedented for a young guy in his UFC debut. He was on previously on um, Dana White's Contender Series, to my best of my recollection. So this was his debut. He's on the, uh, he's on the main card of a John Jones pay-per-view, yeah, and he goes out and does exactly what's expected of him. And to Rogan's point, he was like, yo, unprecedented but now there's going to be no layups now you're really in the deep end everyone you're going to be going against is M and that's a deep pool MMA the deep experts. pool the deep end of the ufc that that's not like the deep that's not the like the deep end of of some uh you know above ground pool that's like the deep end of the atlantic ocean <laughs> that's deep this isn't a this isn't a south boston above ground backyard above ground pool no. this is like one of those fancy uh staten island in ground pools in teddy's neighborhood with a waterfall and a diving board with a water right, calm down deep, so calm down because you, because because you, you got a you got a rolling river in your house so calm down calm <laughs> a, a down a lazy river <laughs> a lazy river lazy river see i don't even know That's what it raw. is because because i'm not even near that 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 neighborhood i'm not even near lazy river lazy river rob's got a lazy river i think rob even has a water slide in his backyard if i'm not mistaken rob's the man <laughs> rob's the man you're the man so sam's bone, the man bone nickel Bo Nickel, absolute beat down. He looked awesome. But like I said, from now going forward, now he's going to be in the deep end. And the last thing I'd say is, you know, Teddy, as you know, if you have any deficiencies in the UFC, the best grappler in the world, or you're the best striker, if you don't have all facets of that game dialed in, they're going to match you against the guy who's a nightmare matchup for you so i wouldn't be surprised to see bo nickel in quick although the ufc definitely wants him to be around but it would be apropos if they were to put him in against uh, a massive striker with leg kicks and great hands because let's see how well-rounded he is at four and oh he's the first one to admit he doesn't have a ton of mma experience so it will be interesting to see where he goes from here how'd you like that one how'd you like well bo that's nickel? gonna be at the end of the day as far as projecting ahead which is always hard uh what his career will be, it, it will come down to how well-rounded he is and, you know, can he develop in the striking game to the point where he has that to go with his unbelievable ground game. Uh, you know, can can he at least 
kind of like all the great ones did. You know, all the great ones had both. You know, I mean, you look at the great Khabib. You know, his his striking game got better and better and better. His jab got better. I mean, you know, obviously he was beyond being a monster on the mat. But he also had something where, you know, if guys could prevent you from getting the takedown, that he could hold his own where you couldn't say, okay, you know, I got him if, if he can't get me to the mat and I can survive those attempted takedowns or if I do get taken down I have enough of a takedown defense where I can survive get back up top I got a shot you know so we got to see how he develops in those areas of the game but you said it a lot of noise a lot of anticipation in the air uh even there when I was there you know obviously uh, I'm in the arena and it's all about Jones and gone, and really about Jones, and also the cult feature with the two unbelievable women. But Nickel, there was a buzz about this guy. Like you said, he's he's a phenom from the wrestling world. Uh, he's only had a couple fights, and here he is already fighting as as Joe Rogan said on pay per view, big cards. Just a you know, a legendary wrestler from college, and now. We're going to find out if he can become the next superstar. I mean, that's that's what they're gearing him for, right? Uh, to You know, you're always looking to build stars. Yeah, you want to have your regular stuff. You want to have your good, grind them out. Every week you have solid. Meat and potato, guys. Yeah, you have solid fights every week. You have Because that's what Dana White's all about. Having evenly matched fights. Every week you have, you're going to get good fights. Uh, and then also you want to develop your next star, the next Conor McGregor, the next, you know, Khabib, the next whatever it is. Um, so this uh, Patty the Batty, we had him on our air. You know, the... Uh, that's that's kind of the road they're, they're putting him on. He still has some development to do. There's no doubt about it. But anyway, all I can say is uh, the man sure can grapple. <laughs> you know, and I tweeted that. There was nothing else to tweet. You know, he just, uh, he dispensed of an experienced picket quickly in the first round. And I'll add this, and this will be it. We'll move on to the next one. But once he latches on, and and this might be Captain Obvious stuff, but for me, once he latches on to you, he's like a pit bulldog, Ken. You know, and you're not getting that pit bulldog's jaw off you. <laughs> you know, he he latches on. He's got the athleticism, obviously, the know-how, the technique, the drive, the confidence uh, to stay latched on. That's it. That's you the, need the, the you know what you need the draws of life to get the son of a gun off you know what those things are right the draws of life yeah they, of course I hope to never see them thank God I didn't need them I didn't think I was going to segue <laughs> into this but when I was being driven home uh you know when my car was bringing me home the ESPN had the car bringing me home from uh, last night I'm I'm t I'm texting you know I'm getting ready for this show so I'm looking at stuff I'm looking on a at fights on the phone, my head's down. Next thing I bang, I'm like, what the freak? 
my driver got into an accident coming across the Gotham oh. Bridge. I mean, thank God nobody got hurt. Thank God nobody got hurt. Say, and Teddy, I felt bad for I my driver. I didn't want to leave the guy because he was an older guy. And well, he was, of course you felt bad. No, but I felt real bad for him because, like I said, no, I'm going to stay here with you because he he was uh, he was upset. He was like, Teddy, I, I said, no, I'm just glad you're okay. I don't know what happened. Well, that's why it's called an accident. I don't know what it happened. on purpose. You know, I, the guy next to him i don't know if he started like playing chicken like the guy started playing chicken with my guy and and wasn't gonna let him in the lane and he kept going next thing you know he apparently he banged into our car and put us onto an island we were literally Jesus. we were literally sitting on an island so here we are as the entrance of the gatos ken where we're sitting on an island, we can't go nowhere. The the other car is six inches away from us that just banged us onto the freaking island and tractor trailers are coming like a foot away from us trying to get onto the lane. I was like, I don't know if we should stay here. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know, but it's not a good idea to get out either. So we're sitting in there and um, cars, are, cars are like, you know backing up tractor trailers are trying to get past us cars were literally coming in front of us and hopping over the island to get to the bridge and and we're clogging all this stuff up uh man anyway thank god uh the state police came you know they they are the New Jersey State Police I don't know if they listen to our show but you guys are the best you guys really you guys uh you know, you're the state police. You carry yourself like the state police. No nonsense. They got there. They right away came over, made sure everything was okay. Um, and, you know, uh, they had another car, which was very nice. Uh, they had another car come and pick me up. Uh, I stayed a little later because I didn't want to leave the guy. The state, the state trooper basically said, Teddy, go ahead, go. It's okay. <laughs> and, um, by the way, the state police do watch our show. Um, they... They they mentioned that uh, they watch it, which is you know it's always nice to have people watch this, and I feel a little more protected. The state police are watching our show, you know, just just watching our show, you know. But um, anyway, thank God everything was okay. Uh, I just segued into that off of that, but um, no jaws alive, no jaws alive, no jaws alive. Thank God, thank God. When you have an accident like that, sometimes it's a good reminder of how lucky we are. Sometimes when I get... It is. Know, Wait, Ken, I got to say know, one thing off of that. You're right. Because I was thinking that. I'm going home to my grandkids, to my family, my my children, my wife. But and my grandkids are all waiting for me and you know to see what I brought them. And and they get they had all kinds of pictures colored for me. Oh, and, and I'm thinking how quickly life can just turn. Just like that. Like how, really, how fast, how, you know, life could just, one second everything's good, the next second it's different. And um, that's why we got to appreciate, I don't want to be the guy saying this because, you know, it's been said a million times, but really you do have to appreciate every day, appreciate your family, tell them you love them, and um, live your life the best you can. But anyway. 
Yeah, sometimes when I get um, <clears throat> I get frustrated, I get in a hurry in traffic when I'm driving. And uh, <laughs> I know you know this from driving eight weeks with me in Philadelphia. Yeah, you don't want to drive with Ken. You don't want to run with him <laughs> and I you agree. don't want to drive with him. You know what I mean? You might, I, you, be able to, you might be able to go bicycle riding, maybe, maybe. But You know who else doesn't want to drive with me? Me. I, but what I would say is sometimes when you think about that feeling when you do get in a fender bender or you get a ticket... That sometimes can bring me back to like the present where I'm like, all right, dude, calm down. At least you don't have to stop exchanging insurance papers. It's a, getting in an accident is a nightmare. And when you think about those things, it's a good way to like get grounded when, I, when you start to get worked up, or at least for me, when I start to get worked up about something, take a second, think about how worse the situations can be. And then you're like, oh, I'm so glad I have the problems I have and not these other problems that I could have. So anyway, I'm glad you're okay, Teddy. You know what Bo Nickel anything could do? Other, anything to... other, I'll, you know that I love to, to, to use the uh, line from movies, right, Ken? Anything yep. under, anything the minutia of life right those small things that sometimes we we get too worked up about just remember remember what remember what what was his uh character name uh he played uh he played Maya Lansky in The Godfather but uh Hyman Roth remember what Hyman Roth said to Michael when Michael asked him about something and is, does this bother you? Are, are you okay with that? And Hyman Roth, the old wily Hyman Roth says, eh, small potatoes. And that's what I, that's what I think about. That's what we got to think about. When, when it's this little stuff, you know how they say, don't sweat the little stuff. When it's that little stuff that sometimes we can get all worked out about, just remember what Hyman Roth said, small potatoes. Small potato. Now let's get to the let's get to the main course. Come on, let's go. I'd also say don't sweat the small stuff, and remember it's all small stuff. Um, before we get to the next fight, I, want, I just want to say that one of the things that Bo Nichols can do to dramatically improve his striking is to go to Dynamic Striking and check out the Teddy Atlas Striking Series that Teddy recorded for um, the great people at Dynamic Striking. Teddy has a whole tutorial there. How many episodes now, Teddy? Fifteen. No, we got more. I'll tell you, we got 15, 15 like old school rounds, right? 15 of everything you need to know to be, uh, I shouldn't be the one saying it, but but they're good. No, to, but I'll be say a good it, fighter, if you want to learn how to throw basic punches, you can learn the basic punches. I think, honestly, if you looked at those videos But and it goes way past the basic while, punches. It goes, we, we do defense, we do counter punching, we do basic punching, we do stance, we do legs. We're, there's 15 of them that covers, it really does, it covers everything. But my point is, Teddy, if someone's interested in boxing and is nervous about going to a boxing gym, which rightfully so, you should be nervous. If you're not nervous, there's something wrong with you. Everyone's nervous. But if you watch these videos and practice some of this stuff, you'll have enough at least enough confidence to go down and walk into a gym. Most gyms are going to take care of you and treat you the right way anyway. Um, but if you do watch these videos, you'll learn enough that you can walk in there with at least confidence of knowing, okay, I'm not like a fish out of water. I, I have basic understanding of what I'm supposed to be doing. The, the videos are honestly awesome. I'm not <clears throat> just saying that because we're partners. If they weren't good, I'd just say, oh, look at his videos and move it on. The videos are awesome. Everyone should take a look. They're well worth the price of admission. And uh, if you want to look like a champ while you're, while you're um, 
boxing with those videos, you can go to Box Raw and check out Teddy's 36 collection from Box Raw, the whole Teddy Atlas boxing collection. They got awesome boxing clothes. If you're going to go running, you're not going to wear uh, weightlifting clothes. If you're going to weightlift, you're not going to wear a running outfit. If you're going to box, wear the right attire. Box Raw's got you covered. BoxRaw.com. Go to the Teddy Atlas 36 collection. And with that, Teddy, let's get back into the UFC. Um, after Bo Nichols, we had the uh, one thing Mateus I want to say. I want to mention one other fighter. I know he wasn't on the main card, and we're covering the main card. But Cody Garbrandt, uh, former world champion, just a great person, great guy. Uh, he's he has sent some shout outs to this show. I know he watches the show, but I know he's I know he's uh, look. He's he's a former world champion, obviously a great fighter. But he'd been on a bad streak. I think he had lost five of his last six. Like I said, in the UFC, <laughs> you're in with nothing but animals. And I'm saying that, obviously, in, in the most uh, complimentary way you could say such a thing. But he got back on the winning way, you know, with another win, uh, which I was, I was just, I was happy to see him get the win, uh, like I said, on a, undercard before just before the main card started cody cody garbrandt former champ just want to throw a just i don't know if he's listening or not listening it doesn't matter uh i i was just thinking about him uh a, a good fighter a good guy so anyway let's get to uh that was a terrific fight you're about to bring up right here really 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 ken Hell of a fight. This is what the UFC is all about. Mateus Gamrot in against Jalen Turner. Very tight fight. Super competitive. Gamrot obviously won. 29-28 on two of the scorecards. 30-27 on the other. Um, incredible fight. Yeah, Back and forth action. Great. Just high level. This to me, Teddy, this to me was just high level MMA. They had it all. They had grappling, striking, <clears throat> jujitsu. They, they covered everything and it looked back and forth all day long. You could have seen either guy pulling out the victory at any point, but ultimately Gamrock gets the decision win. Big win for him. Uh, tough loss for uh, Turner, but how'd you like that fight? Gamrock won the first round. This is my analysis of the fight. He won the first round controlling, as I often talk about, the most important part of it, uh, one of the most important, I think the most important part, he controlled the geography uh, of where he needed to be in the octagon uh, by being on the mat. And then in the second round, it was Turner who turned it around, and he was controlling the geography uh, by striking uh, for the first half of the round. And then Gamrot took back control. In the end... It was, it was really, like I said, it was terrific theater, terrific fight. Uh, in the end, it was a strategic, grinded out win for Gamrot, and I was, I was really perplexed, as I often am, by one of the judges. The judges had the judges had yeah, the scoring. One, uh, one had for Turner, one right? Had, one, sorry, one judge had it twenty nine twenty eight for Turner, twenty nine twenty eight for Gamrot, and one guy had it thirty seven twenty yeah, seven. I was really twenty seven for I was Gamrot. A terrific fight, but I, I was I was perplexed, as I said, that somehow one judge has it for Turner, while the other two judges, and I know you get this in boxing too. While the other two judges had it for Gamrot, 
And then one had all three rounds for Gamrot. Like how they just see, it's amazing how they just see different fights. For me, this wasn't exciting. Um, it, it was not an exciting fight, but it was clear, I thought, who won. I thought this, but I thought this, I thought this Turner uh, Gamrot fight though was hey, look, good. It was competitive. Go, it, it was, was strategic. It was. Strategery. If you go, like I've said, and I've used this analogy before, if you go to a baseball game at Fenway Park, those those Boston fans that we don't really talk about too often, we try not to because, you know. Well, but if you go to Fenway Park, you want to see balls for the most part go over the green monster. You don't really want to see a shutout. But if you want, if you enjoy the, if you enjoy the science of pitching, and you see a guy dissect a batter and change the the rhythm of the pitches and the speeds and go up and down and hit different corners of the plate and disarm a batter. If you want to see that, well, that's that's great. There's some people that's what they want to see. That's their taste. Same thing in boxing. You you know you want to see a guy who's really a scientist in there. You know the sweet science. A guy that you can't hit him. Uh, you know, he's not throwing bombs. He's not throwing a lot of punches. So, again, I get it, Ken. I get where you can appreciate it, strategic, grind it out, win. That's the way I put it for Gamrot. But for me, not not in the exciting range. The one that I wanted to say all the superlatives about, not that that one doesn't deserve a couple of superlatives, but was really Rock Manav and Neil. Yeah, Rachmanov. Rachmanov and Neil. Rachmanov is a well-rounded fighter with an iron chin. And again, I want to just throw accolades to Neil. I really do. I know he lost. I know he got choked out in, what, 40 seconds left of the third round. It was a really competitive fight. It was a terrific fight. It might have been a, I don't know. It, it was probably one of the best fights on the card. Um it really was, for me, it was that good. It, that's the one I wanted to say. Yeah, so Rachmanov in tough against Jeff Neal, as we say all the time. They're all tough. Round three, uh, in the third round, he gets a rare naked choke on Jeff Neal. Great win for Rachmanov. Moves to 17-0. and 0. Jeff Neal drops to 15-5. and 5. Like you said, just awesome performance. Uh, what would you like about Rachmanov? Well-rounded, like I said. I and Chin. And again, I'm going to jump. I'm going to I'm gonna throw some more stuff to Neil. Tough, tough guy. Um, really, Romanov won the first round, then a great second round, terrific round, with Neil countering to maybe win a very close round. So I could see it 1-1 possibly. Like I said, Romanov, first round, and then second round, really close. Neil doing some really good striking, some really good countering. I thought he took a close round. And then just a, a bond burn a third round. A real shootout with Rachmanov, Rachmanov, yeah, Rachmanov getting to, uh, to Neil finally in the last 40 seconds, as I said before, you know, getting the rear naked choke on him. 
But Neil's showing just unbelievable heart. They all have great heart. He's got, you know, two hearts in his chest. Uh, the final thing I'll say about Rakhamnov is, yeah, Rakhamnov. And I will. <laughs> I I don't. I hate. No, no, I hate correcting you, but if I just want to keep repeating his name, because if yeah. I don't correct you, people will be like, "Oh, you're not Rock even correcting Manoff. the name." I'm just trying to yeah, help. I'm, I'm not practice. being trying to I'm be a jerk. Rachmanov. Rachmanov. He he's an entertaining beast. His toughness and his listen to this. His toughness and his flaws is what makes him so entertaining, because you can hit him. I mean, he's got that. He's got that. He's got that plutonium chin. But you can hit him, and that's what makes him so damn delightful to watch. Because you know he's not like Floyd Mayweather. Where I love Floyd Mayweather, but it could be frustrating. Like this guy's got no chance. He can't touch the figure guy. You could touch him. You could crack him, but he keeps on freaking coming, and that's part of. You know what's law. crazy, Teddy? 17 wins in a row, every single one of them, KO or submission with four of the last five in the UFC being submissions and one of them was a knockout and the guys he's fighting are not no, cans. No. Uh, the last three was Jeff Neal, Neil Magny and, Car and um, Carl's Carlston Harris. Um, before that, he beat Mike Prezeris, who I don't know from the UFC and Alex Oliveira, I know. He's but uh, all finishes in the UFC, Ken. tons of knockouts. I'm glad, you I'm glad you dissected oh, that, Ken, because really, he is a monster. But you know what? Here's another movie analogy. You ready for it? Yep. The Predator. Okay? The yeah, original Predator. Well, that's a good one. With Arnold. Okay? Where they, where they get the Predator in and they, they shoot at him. They don't know what they're dealing with. He's killing everyone. And they shoot at him in the tree. And the girl tells him, he he had um, green stuff was on the leaves when they shot him. They hit him, and then and then Schwarzenegger says, "If he bleeds, we can kill him," <laughs> because they <laughs> you know they, they, they were they, they they didn't know what they were dealing with. Like he's uh, obviously something from another planet, something they never dealt with before. Uh, he's invincible. It looked like, and if if he bleeds, we can kill it, and. That's the one thing with a guy like, I know everybody bleeds, but a guy like Rock Monoff, <laughs> yes. uh, <laughs> if you can hit him that regular, there's a chance. There's a, it's pretty damn tough so far. No kidding. Nobody's been able to, you know, to crack that, that shell. But if you can hit him, again, there's a difference if it's a guy that, you know, that's so damn elusive that you can't even touch the guy, but you can touch him. That's one thing. And again, that's to what, for me, makes him such an attraction, such such a lure to him is his flaws. It's not his strengths. It's, it's his flaws with his strengths that makes him so interesting. I agree. Let's, uh, I think that's pretty, pretty thorough coverage of that fight. Let's get to the uh, meat and potatoes of this card. Title fight, women, 
uh, Valentina Shevchenko, who usually looks indestructible and ne- uh, like talking class. Talk about talk about upsets, right, Ken? Oh I mean, my really, this, God! This was a Titanic upset. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Alexa Grasso gets the rear naked choke on her at round four. It didn't even look like <clears throat> initially. It didn't look like it was all the way under her chin. I thought she was just getting her in a, like a face crank, you know, when the chin is still tucked in, but they just squeeze. Most of these guys, you could like break their jaw with a vice grip. They're not going to tap, but she eventually. No, she Kept working, it. It kept it. working and kept working and got it under the chin. And she got the tap against the great Valentina Shevchenko. Adds a little bit of spice to that weight class because Shevchenko's been so dominant. It was boring. It was just a pre, uh, foregone conclusion that Shevchenko was going to dominate. And, and I heard Chil Sonnen on um, the great Ariel Hawani show. So I want to like credit him. He, he pointed this out, but I want to echo what he was they're saying. Both, is they're that, both. Uh, look, Hawani's great and Sonnen is great. Of and course. I miss Sonnen. I'm, you know, I'm not gonna hold back. I, I, I miss him. That, that he's not out there with us. He was always out there with ESPN, deservingly so. Part of the team, part of the great, great team that I gave such accolades to before. And um, it, it just, it's missing not having him there. It, it really is. It's missing not having him there. Hopefully, yep. he'll be back. Hopefully, there. he gets it sorted. But he was saying that. The thing he loves about Shevchenko is that she's like the ultimate heel, but but he doesn't. Um, she doesn't actually go full heel. Like she's basically a heel, but trying to be the nice person, talking about her uh, adventures outside of the ring. But Chill was like, at the end of the day, she's a heel. She's like, you know, referred to Erin Blanchard. They asked her a question. She's like, oh, she's like a playful little dog, puppy, or something like that. She made some kind of like backhanded comment, a backhanded compliment. But she's, uh, you know, she she's she's tough. She's like, she she plays the character of being like, you know, the actor and. You know, sweet little young lady, but at the end of the day, she's a monster in the ring and she's going to kill you and she's ruthless and it's all part of the act. And Chill was just saying, like, I just wish she'd go full heel and just be a ruthless, like, pain in the neck to everyone all the time. But uh, love her personality and character. She's got a great career outside of the, the ring. The only she's person seen. you thought could compete with her was Nunez, who 100%. did beat her, you know. And Alexa and, Grasso and from Mexico. Teddy, when she got the when she when that opening when that opening presented itself, and and the commentators pointed this out, so I don't want to pretend, pretend, pretend to be uh, pretend to be you know MMA or, or grappling uh, wizard, but when she threw that kick, as the guys pointed out, Grasso jumped on her back so quickly and got the hooks in and execute. It's just. That's like muscle memory when you but see it. But that's what you got to do boom. when you're in there yep. with a when you're in there basically with a great. She did you exactly what she had to mistakes. do. And, if there's uh, a mistake, you got to capitalize on it. Yep. And 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 to get, you're not going to get another chance. Just like just to get her in that position and then to stay with the submission long enough to make her tap because, like I said, most of these people at this level, you have to have them and mo- usually choke them out to get them to tap or it's foregone conclusion and they'll tap. But man. Alexa Grasso, congratulations. Mexico, another world title for Mexico. Yeah, really. Really. It's just up. the sport's becoming so well-rounded. It's just like it's so global. The people, everyone in the, at that top elite level of the UFC, they're just it's so competitive. The people are so good. Just awesome. Nice to see some new faces in that uh, weight class in the women's division. How'd you like it? So Trenko was, as you said, a huge favorite. Um, you know, not only the champion, but as we just touched on, one of the greatest women fighters, period. So as I used the word earlier, it was a titanic upset. Um, 
But this is a classic example of what I'm always saying about the difference between UFC and boxing. These fighters are always matched tough. Uh, there's no Phoebes in the UFC, Ken. And like there are in boxing, where the star or the promoter's fighter is given soft opponents, you know, fed raw meat, as I often say. There's no layups over in the UFC. So you got fighters with five, six, seven, eight losses. It doesn't matter. They can upset the favorite or the champ on any given night if the champ just makes a mistake or a little off because they've been fire-tested and they've been forged by the competition to where they can handle any level. And that was Grazel. That was the perfect example of Grazel. Just solid, solid, solid fighter. Like boxing back in the 30s and the 20s when you had everyone fighting. They didn't care about being undefeated. They all fought each other. And what did you get? You got competitive fighters across the board. Great fighters across the board where anyone on any given night could step in and have a chance to beat the champ. Whether they had... 10 losses, 5 losses, it didn't matter because they were fighting top competition and they developed into top fighters by doing that. They weren't babied. They weren't navigated to an undefeated record. They, they weren't positioned into something. They fought their way into it. And that's the difference with the UFC and boxing right now. It really is. So um, as far as the fight, Close first round. Uh, Grasso, for me, might have taken it uh, because there was there was just spots there where there was a lot of standoff moments where neither one was doing a lot, where they were looking for positioning for the right moments. You know, they knew they had. The funny thing is they knew they couldn't make mistakes. Isn't that funny? And meanwhile, they... and And the... The champ makes one at the end. It's it's kind of ironic, but I I had tweeted that in those spots where they were kind of standing off, Ken, that they should use their jabs to have a little edge there, and Shevchenko was starting to do that in spots. So, like I said, I thought that Grasso might have surprised a little and took that first round. The second round went to. Shevchenko, uh, she took control where, you know, she beautifully slipped a punch and then used that slip as an entry to get into where she wanted to get, to get to do the takedown, to shoot in and get uh, Grasso to the mat. Beautiful. Slipped a punch, used that as the setup, the entry, uh, the doorway, to safely get in for the takedown. Simultaneously moved in for the takedown after the slip. Uh, just terrific stuff. After two rounds, I added 1-1. Shevchenko, can she's so deliberate and technically sound, and she doesn't waste anything. She's always controlling range and distance. You know, very, very patient. Uh, I had Shevchenko winning the third round, so I had her up two to one. Now, here's where it gets really interesting, obviously. Going into the fourth, I just tweeted 
I tweeted out after the third round that Shevchenko, you know, obviously won the third round with her greatness on the mat, but that Grasso was also showing how damn good she was also on the mat. You know, as as she defended the takedowns, fought out of some of the holds Shevchenko was putting her in. So I immediately said, that's not, that's not sleep on Grasso here. That's not miss the fact that, you know, Shevchenko's got the edge. She's up two to one, but she's got a little control here. But this Grasso is damn good. She's damn good. And, and then what happens? Bang! Just like that. On ESPN, by the way, I used to do that all the time. I used to say, bang, bang! And fourth round, Grasso did show why I sent that tweet out. How damn good she was. As Shevchenko made a huge mistake, you know, attempting that spinning back kick. As Joe Rogan said, as DC said, immediately wasted no time. She saw her opportunity. She jumped right in there, filled the gap, and bang, she didn't let up. She got right in there, knew, knew that this was her moment. You know, she couldn't miss this moment. If she missed this moment, there wasn't going to be another one, and she was probably going to lose. So she made the most of it. That's what great ones do. That, I mean, that really, it's like a game, a basketball game, football game, baseball game, whatever. An opportunity as a businessman, whatever it is, you get that opportunity. All of a sudden, you get that chance, you know, to pull off the upset, to come back, to, uh, you know, upset the apple cart. And whatever it is you're doing, as soon as you recognize that, bang, you, you got to be prepared and you got to take advantage of it. She was prepared. She took advantage of it. Give all the credit, obviously, in the world for that. Um, once once uh, Shevchenko was vulnerable, Grasso moved in, capitalized on it, took it to the ground. And as I said earlier, at this level, you can't afford mistakes because they're that good. And they will take advantage of it. And this was a perfect example of that. But the story for me, again, was that Grasso was just so tough and solid and didn't get discouraged when she was having a little bit of a hard time. And that's what you form, as I was talking about, when you have a fighter fighting top competition. They become solid. They become, you know, reliable. I always talk about those assets. We talk about talent, about the neon talent, about speed, about power, about all the things that we recognize, that we, that we, you know, that we bow to, that that we applaud. Yeah, they should be applauded. I get it. But what about the talents of just being solid, reliable, consistent? And those are great talents. And that's what you saw, and that's what you develop when you're in there with top competition, not getting freebies. And that's what Grasso is because of that. There was one thing, Ken, that I think was an X factor. Maybe you can help me with it. My son pointed it out. He reminded me. I was so happy to have my son there with me. And I spent time with my grandson. It was great. But there was something where the referee, I don't know if it was the third round or the fourth round. I don't remember. Maybe it was the round before. But... The referee forced them to get up. 
He did it twice during that main part of the fight. And we did it in another fight too. I can't remember which one it was. But he they were on the floor. Shevchenko wanted to be on the floor. She had control. And the referee decided to make them stand. And again, I don't know if it was that round. But if it was the fourth round, then it was it was huge. Because that could influence the fight. Where the referee and it happens where the referee decides to stand them up when, as I said, Shevchenko has Grousel on the floor controlling her. And again, if it was in that round, then by making Shevchenko stand up into a position that ultimately may have made her vulnerable where she performed that spinning kick that she never would have performed, (laughs) obviously, if she had her on the floor. Um, you know, and so she wouldn't have been able to make that mistake. But yeah, it was the third round, and uh, <clears throat> Shevchenko, Shevchenko landed uh, an impressive takedown halfway through the round. And after some time on the mat with inactivity, Jason Herzog stood both women up. The crowd started booing extremely yeah. loud. There I'm going to read his, Herzog's response. His decision was audibly booed from the crowd. Jill Rogan was highly critical because Rogan would have oh. them stay on the ground forever. It's like, hey, this is oh. it. And I can understand making yeah, an argument either Rogan, way. Rogan understands you work to get that position. He's, exactly. He's a, he's a fan. He's a, you know appreciative of what that work takes and what that that expertise is and that if you work to get that position you, it's part of the game you, exactly. you earned it she took her down she didn't do anything with it so they, they they he stood them up and he says i thought in the i know what i thought in the moment but i've gotten enough feedback that tells me that i need to rewatch it and reevaluate so that's what oh, i'll do so you good know listen pe- people forget good that the for refs, him to that say the that refs to- are people just like us and they're making decisions in this in like a split second about like things that are very consequential i think you when i see like an nba or an nfl game and the refs look they miss calls but they're so friggin' good on a regular basis and they're calling these things oh, bang bang plays like split second especially in basketball yeah, so listen well, Herzog thought replaced. it was inactivity and he stood well, around he stood the them up when you can use it but, but i like his attitude I, that he's like I i'll rewatch too. it and decide if i, hey, if I made a mistake i'll get better that's what you want to hear Exactly. That's what you want to hear. What and you don't want to hear listen. is people make a mistake and then like go down with the ship. Just like I, 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 that's what I said. You're a human being. We make mistakes, especially in the heat of the moment on a big stage. Ken. But listen, I'm glad I brought it up. It didn't happen in the fourth, but ultimately, those things change the dynamic of the fight. Hundred percent. They do. They change the flow, the rhythm, and and I'm. But I will say this. I want to say this. They happen. They do. They happen in great moments in history. They, they ha- I'm going to name two of them. Um, one was the fan man in Vegas years ago when Riddick Bowe was fighting a rematch with Holyfield. He beat him the first time. He was the favorite. And all of a sudden, a fan man comes in as idiot. Poor guy. What an idiot. <laughs> and, and, he caught, he caught he, a beat. <laughs> poor guy. And, and he fled. Poor guy. What the hell you guy's doing? an idiot. No, he I know, lucky but he, he didn't kill someone. Well, yeah, he's an lucky idiot. Lucky his fan but, didn't mean, go into the crowd and chop someone's head off. I thought he, he thought he was going to be a star, and he and all he did was see stars. But anyway, <laughs> he, he flies in. He flies in, 
and and he gets pulverized afterwards. <laughs> but it, it it breaks up the the rhythm of the fight for ten minutes, whatever the hell it was, maybe more. And it it could impact. Holyfield wound up winning back the title. He was the underdog after he lost the first fight. I'm not saying Holyfield wouldn't have won anyway, but it impacts it. I'll tell you another one. Years ago, the great Muhammad Ali. Um, he's fighting. To, he's fighting uh, Henry Cooper from London, and Henry Cooper had a great left hook. Before the end of one of the rounds, he drops Ali with an unbelievable left hook. Ali gets up groggy, walks back to the corner unsteady. You know, we don't know how Ali's going to come out now with only a minute rest. We don't know what happens. Something changes everything. Angelo Dundee, the late great trainer, the late great cornerman, one of the greatest cornermen of all time. You got to be special to be a good cornerman, to motivate, to give proper strategy, to stay calm, to say the right thing at the right moment when your fighter most needs it. And he, it's, it's like a pit crew in the Indianapolis 500 where they got to put the tires on. Boom, boom, boom. The difference between winning and losing a race. Quarterman, same thing. Got to put the tires back on. Got to put air in the tires. They're getting a little flat. So I, I'm sorry. I get a little excited because Dundee was great. So Ali goes back. He's groggy. He's only got a minute. All of a sudden, he's got five minutes, 10 minutes. Why? Because Dundee found a hole in the glove, or created one. We don't know. We don't know. But all of a sudden, there's a hole in the glove. They got to change gloves. And Ali gets plenty of time to recover. He comes back and he stops He stops uh, Henry a couple rounds later. Henry would get cut up. Henry would start bleeding during the national anthem. All right? <laughs> Put it down. So, so they, he, he cuts up Henry, who was a game, good puncher. But he cuts him up. And he wins the fight. But history could have been changed. But I'll say this. I've watched this through the history, whether it's basketball, baseball, life, boxing, of course. The great ones, the ones that are destined to be great, those things happen. I don't think it's an accident. I know it's going to sound strange to people out there. But those little those little things of fate, if you will, those those little things of destiny, if you want to use that word, whatever, that I've seen them happen. I've just, Tom Brady, Tom Brady it happened with. I can't remember which one. Uh, it was the famous, uh, what, what was that called? Uh, the, the famous one. The tuck rule, tuck rule. The tuck rule. There it is, my Against man the Rob, Raiders. of great Purdue. I mean, those things take place with the great ones. But for me, the way I look at it, they earned the right by being, working and doing the things they did over the years to get to that position where something happens and then when it happens, their, their greatness takes advantage of it. That, that yep. something, some fickle, fateful thing takes place, a thing of whatever, like I said, destiny, whatever, that can change history. They can change the path, the trajectory of somebody's career. Right there. It happens with the great ones. I, I've, it's a phenomena. Yeah. It's something that I'd love to do a study of. It's something that I, you know, they do these 3030s on ESPN, all yeah. these different shows. I'd love to see somebody do a study on, on that, on how often those things happen with the great ones, where 
the thing is, they not only happen, but the great ones then show their greatness by taking advantage, by by stepping through that little time warp, that, that little hole in the universe that's created, if you will, and they step through it. And and bang. They 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 you know, again they they get the win. They get they they their career goes in a trajectory different than someone else's. It's really interesting, but because those things have happened so often I just thought that that'd be interesting to point that out. Um, again, did it did it change the rhythm of the fight a little bit? Maybe even though it happened in the third round, taking nothing away from Grasso, you can't. I said it. Grasso she was ready to win. She was she put herself in position by having a fight she had by by working the way she worked by learning the things she learned and by developing those traits those assets that are not only the neon assets about being solid being resilient being dependable and bang she took advantage um she jumped right in there great great i I was happy for that interview how could you not love that interview with rogan to to see her have this moment, you know, to not only win the title, but to beat like an icon, basically. So anyway, it was, uh, no, speaking of greatness. Johnny Bones Jones returns. And my God, did he make it look easy against um, Surreal Gone. Just came in. And I don't want to take credit. It's not wasn't a big secret that that's what he was probably going to do. But he just came in, took uh, surreal guy right down to the ground. What's interesting is when he had him pinned up against the fence. There's a great clip online of um, Henry Cejudo working with Johnny Jones, telling him, talking to him about wrestling strategy. And he had him against the um, the cage, and and literally Cejudo's describing exactly what John did. He said, "Look, if you get him here, don't waste time. You're not going to be able to do anything from here." Like he had him pinned with like a single leg high crotch and he said just from here just rotate to something different go for like a head um go for like a head and shoulder and that's exactly what john did he took him down tried to transition to the back surreal gun scrambles gets against the fence and johnny locks in a friggin' guillotine that must have been super tight because he didn't have he didn't have um his body locked up in a full in a full guard he just got it so tight on surreal's neck that that position they were in surreal couldn't do anything with it and tapped and and even the the commentators were quite surprised that surreal tapped from that position because you would think high level jiu-jitsu guys should get out of that position given that his body wasn't locked up but johnny bones is just so strong he wrenched that guillotine in and surreal tapped and it was quick and it was done johnny bones jones the new champ the only the only disappointment there is that francis the uh the reigning champ uh won't get a chance to fight john it's this massive disappointment uh but great win for johnny bones jones made it look easy how'd you like it you know ken there's for something that went fast there's also a lot behind it uh i jones did something that very it was very very obviously a lot of anticipation about this fight because of what he was attempting to do and because of the difficulty factor 
of what he was trying to do. Being away for three years and coming back on this level with a guy who's been active, a guy who's also big and naturally bigger, that's also a very good athlete. A, a different than Nganyu, who's very strong and athletic, but very physically strong. Gan was also, a lot of people I thought, quite frankly, that at least in the striking area, he could match Jones athletically because he was uh, he was finesseful, he was agile, he he was elusive qualities to him, gone, uh, technically very solid. You know, again, where you thought that in the striking area that he could maybe match some of the athleticism of of one of the great athletes ever that been away for three years. Now, Jones has something that very few people have. Um, I'll talk about the first part of it. The athleticism, the genetics. He comes from one of the most genetically gifted families probably ever. He's got two brothers that played at the top level in the NFL. One is retired, one is still playing for the Raiders, actually, the Las Vegas Raiders. And, and a, you know, a guy that might wind up being in the Hall of Fame. So, obviously, he comes from an unbelievable gene pool. And, but then he worked his backside off, like his brothers did, to develop where he developed. But for me, and I said it, for the people out there that remember it, I said that I thought that he could do good if he could stay striking. Um, he obviously, you didn't need Teddy Atlas. You had all the MMA ex experts that I was with out there um, that could tell you that Jones wanted to get his hands on him and wanted to get him to the mat where he would have the advantage because he's so physically strong and he's so good in those areas. And he got that. But before we ever got there, when we were assessing this fight, when we were breaking it down, I was saying that to put it in perspective, what he was trying to do, the great, some people call him the greatest, Muhammad Ali in my sport couldn't do it. He was away three and a half years. He had two tune-ups in a short condensed period in four months. He was away three and a half years and he came back and he couldn't beat Joe Frazier. Now, I'll talk about the difference between Frazier and Gan in a minute. But there was no doubt that Ali was not the same fighter that left boxing when he came back three and a half years. He wasn't the same athlete. He wasn't as agile, as fast. He wasn't as elusive. And I think maybe you could say that about Jones. We don't know because we didn't have enough time to see it. But at that weight, if he was going to be impacted, I believe going in, he would be changed. He would be impacted. He would have been maybe even compromised in some of those areas. But here was the big but. Will it matter? Will it matter? Because even with that, if he gets to the geography he wants to get to, he can still have the upper hand. And he got to that geography. But that's not even the thing here. Here's where I'm getting to. The reason it didn't matter 
And the one thing that I did say on ESPN, all my great partners for the weekend there on the UFC, the one thing I did say was it might come down to one thing here. The one reason that Jones is the GOAT is that he's got something that very few people have. That unrelenting belief that he can't be beat. That mental psyche, that that mental just steel trap of confidence that nobody can beat him. That nobody and that's powerful. I don't care if you wait three years or thirty years. When you have that, when you have that, it's like it's like if you were in a gunfight and the other guy's got a six shooter and you got a Gatling gun. When you have that, a lot of people don't realize that. They're just looking at the physical parts of it. You got everything. And John Jones has that. And I remember that's the one thing, my saving grace a little bit, because I was saying God had a shot, blah, blah, blah. And and the experts like Anthony Smith and 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 Rashad, they they said they picked Jones for the right reasons. But before we got off the air, I said the one area that he has a distinct advantage that it might just come down to that is that he's just mentally tougher than gone. And you know what? I could stay here for an hour talking about this and that, even though it was a quick stoppage, for that, that he got to geography, which he did. He got his hands on him. He was stronger. He was more adept at, you know, at that part of the game. But I'd be remiss if I didn't go to where I'm going now because that's everything. That's what makes John Jones the GOAT. That's what makes him so special. That's why he won. He is, met, and I don't want to not kick a guy while he's down or, or knock a guy while he's down like God. I'm not trying to do that. But I do want to put forward the truth as I know it and facts as I know it and things that are not always easily seen by the naked eye that you have to put under a microscope to see sometimes, but they're worth seeing. Is that gone was too soft in that area. That that Jones, Jones, what he did is unbelievable. But again, the reason he could do it is because he had that power of that he wasn't going to give in where until he literally died. Like in other words, I, he gets in there, he knows he's going to win. Gone was wondering if he's going to win. And that there's a difference between knowing That's and right. wondering. And there's a form of submission in life that I think we all go through. We don't like to admit it. We don't like to think about it. But the great ones, they, they don't. But we all submit to a certain degree. Submit where we hope it's not noticeable. We hope it's not detrimental. We we hope it 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 doesn't go as I said the degree where it changes the trajectory of from you know failure to success. 
where we can overcome it. But there's degrees of submission where you just give a little bit, where, you know, you just, you compromise under pressure just a little bit. I talk about it on ESPN. I used to always talk about it where I would say, watch, right now, it's like the middle of July, it's 110 degrees out, and there's a little puddle of water, and it's being evaporated right in front of your eyes. One minute that it's there, you're not noticing it, and the next minute it's gone. It, it got evaporated. This guy is being evaporated. Being, and sometimes the pressure of the moment is the sun. It doesn't have to be 110 degrees sun. It can just be what's in the guy's mind. The moment. You know, there's an old saying, Ken, of some people can't handle the hot lights. Some people can't get on the stage. The hot lights melt them. There's truth to that. There's, the, the lights don't literally melt your skin, but they melt your will. And some people are prepared better for that than others. Jones is born into that. Jones lives in that. Jones is forged in that fire for that. God has never been on that stage to deal with those lights, the intensity of all, with a great, with, with a goat. There's, there's something about the presence of a goat. When you're in an octagon and the presence, and that guy's there, the devil comes to the door. You know, everyone talks, when the devil comes, I'm going to shoo him away until the devil comes. <laughs> and then when the devil comes, what happens? Well, the devil's coming, and the devil shows up, and, it, and he's there, and he's in the octagon with you. There's something debilitating about the presence. He's got that presence. I know it's physical. I know it's athletic. I know it's technical. I know it's all of those things, but it's also the fact that he, that he presents this, that he projects this, that he is this. I think, uh, simply put, Gone was too soft, too soft mentally. Now look, he missed a punch. He got too close, kind of a little mistake, not as obvious as the one that Shevchenko made, where she missed the spinning kick and, you know, Graza was able to close the gap, but he missed a punch. He fell in. Jones put his hands on him. That's where he didn't want to be, especially that early when he didn't have any confidence built up yet, you know, where he was still feeling the stage fright maybe, you know, that moment, uh, never being on that kind of stage with this kind of guy. And still fresh yeah. and dry yeah. like Johnny Bones Jones is super fresh, so if he does get his still hands fresh. on you, he's going to be that much stronger and everyone's, exactly, everyone's still dry, Perfect no way point. to slip out. That's and exactly then, what happened. But a little level of submission where he allowed himself, he, he just gave in a little. Jones don't give in a little. Where he gave yep. him just a little bit, he gets some gets on. I'm taking nothing away from what Jones did. That's all part of what Jones did. Everything I'm describing, but he gives just a little, not the great resistance that Jones would have presented to not get to where he didn't want to get to. He allowed Jones to, he allowed himself to be somewhere he shouldn't have been. Just a little level of submission, whatever you want to call it, lack of focus, whatever, and. 
I'm not saying he tapped out too fast. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that he wasn't a guy, he wasn't like Volkanovsky, who's also one of those special guys, and Shemaev even, that, that, you know, he ain't tapping out. I mean, you might knock him out unconscious, but he ain't tapping out. He's going to find a way. And that's one of the greatness about guys like Joe. They're going to find a way. They're going to, they're going to, if the, if the lights are flickering, if the lights are dark, they're going to find a way to put the lights on. They, they don't give a damn what they got to do. If they got to climb up and pull the sun down to, to bring light, whatever it is, they have that mindset. Well, Teddy, I'll give you, I'll give you, I'll give you a concrete example of John Jones when he was fighting Chell Sonnen. If you remember back, uh, I forget how long ago it was, but they were fighting, and John Jones got a compound fracture of his left big toe. So his left toe dislocates, the bone breaks, and it pokes out of the skin. And Johnny Jones, I think they either wrapped tape around it or whatever they did. He got back in there and finished the fight. But 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 that's. And he's not the only guy that would do that, but that's the best example of the uh, just being willing to go through hell. And it's funny when you bring that up because he came into the octagon with tape on his toes. Now, I don't know if he had a little injury. He might have. Now, I'm glad you brought that up. Nobody really talked about that because it was over so fast. But he came into the octagon with a couple of his toes. I don't know if it was that foot. And his foot. He had foot and toes taped. They made him cut the tape off. Yeah, the ankle and the toes. And they made him cut it off. And but you wonder why he had it. He had it for a reason, you know, that maybe he had an injury in camp. Maybe he had a dislocated toe. Maybe he had a bruised toe, injured, whatever, sprained. You know, the basketball players in the NBA, you see them take their fingers together when they get a dislocated finger or a sprained finger. So they, they're able to play with the tape together, you know, obviously to keep it rigid so they don't, you know, feel the pain. They don't re-injure it. Um, I would think it was along those lines of why Jones would have been taping them together. Whatever. They cut the tape off. Did that throw him into a, a dizzy where he, oh my God, they t- I got, no, he went in there. It didn't matter. If one of the toes fell off, as you were talking about, that wouldn't have mattered either. He was mentally tougher then gone. I know all the other stuff people are going to be saying, but that's where it starts. That's where it starts. And that's the one thing, like I said on the set, where I said, it might just come down. And then my son grabbed me afterwards. He said, Dad, that's what you said at the end is probably it. You, Without even realizing, you basically said Jones is going to win, even though you said Gone could win. Because that's that's the most important part of the whole thing is just saying that he might just be too mentally tough for this guy. And at the end, he was everything too much, but he was also too mentally. Now, I want to go back a little. When the great Ali, who was also mentally tough, like Jones, he couldn't get it done. There was a difference. He was fighting Joe Frazier, not Surreal Gone. Now, taking nothing away from Jones, but Frazier was mentally tough. So the three years, three and a half years old off for Ali that compromised him physically, and it did, he was a different fighter, didn't allow him to win just with his will because he was athletically compromised enough with another strong-willed guy where 
as the years went on, he was back. He won the title again, Ali, and he beat Frazier. But for that night, he was compromised enough athletically where his great will couldn't make up for it because the other guy had a great will too. He couldn't get it done. That was the difference. Surreal gone is not Joe Frazier, where maybe at the end of the day, it wouldn't have mattered. But John Jones, even if he had been athletically compromised, and he may have been, I'm going to bet that he he's probably not the, quite the athlete that he was, even though there's people argue with me and say, Teddy, did you see what he did? But I saw what he did, and I'm making my point, I think, the right way, in a responsible way, in a methodical way, where, yeah, he put his hands on him, he got him, he, he basically broke him down, and then he, he choked him out in a very quick way. But if he had to go to other places athletically, other places longer for longer hauls during the fight for five rounds, three rounds, four rounds. I don't, you might have seen that some of the athleticism was at least, what was at least hampered a little bit, at least hampered a little bit three years off. But it didn't matter. It didn't matter. Because he got the geography he needed to have the edge that he had on the, on the ground. And he mentally squashed the guy. So he, he didn't have to go to those athletic places that we would have found out. Does he still got it? We, we didn't have... Because the mental part was... The will was too much for gone so we never got to see whether or not he was possibly compromising any of those areas because it, it, it his will was was too much so i've i'll finish with this that jones he's one of those special guys and i thought it was very very fitting that the other goat was there too guy that is your favorite guy, used to be your favorite guy, Tom Brady. You took him off your, your speed dial. I know that. You took him off after <laughs> he left New England and left Boston, uh, the Boston area. Uh, but Tom Brady was there. He sent the message out, one go to another, to John Jones, giving him luck, wishing him luck, saying that he knew he was going to win, and he was right. But Brady, he was the greatest like Jones, in the same areas because of what he was mentally, Ken. He, listen, I know that he yep. gets rid of the ball fast. I know he's got a strong arm. I know he's got an accurate arm. But you know what? There's a lot of other guys that get rid of the ball just as fast, just as accurate, just as strong. Tom Brady is Tom Brady, the GOAT, for the same reason Jones is. Yeah, athletically, he's good. he worked his backside off. But he's the GOAT. Because when chaos is going on, when pressure of the moment brings chaos, and it does, it bring it scrambles people. Whether it's whether it's sitting in the pocket with three hundred pound guys trying to break your neck, you know, whether it's with the clock ticking down and four seconds left, and it's all on you, whatever that pressure is, the chaos of that pressure when it comes. Brady handles it. 
Matter of fact, he looks for it. Guys like God, they, they sometimes hope it don't come. They sometimes hope to avoid it. I'm not going to say they hide from it, but Brady looks for it, expects it. Jones looks for it, expects it, lives for it, is developed for it. And that's, that's what separates them. When, when Brady is coming down the field with a minute left, no timeouts, and all that going on, and somebody else would melt, as I said before, like the puddle in July, would melt, would, would look to run away. Michael Jordan was another one. Where somebody with two seconds left to take a shot. Uh, uh, there's guys in that, in that huddle that is saying, please, please don't give the ball to me. They are. They are. They won't tell you that, but they are. Michael Jordan is the guy, or Larry Bird. He's another example. They're the guys that are saying, I'm getting the ball. <laughs> They're not even asking the call. Okay, where are you going to hit me with the ball? Where are you going to give it to me? And... I'm just saying, that's why Brady was there that night, because he recognized that in John Jones. As he said, one go to another. And that's, that's why he had to be there, because he knew he was going to, he knew, he knew he was going to win. He knew he was going to win because he knows what that ingredient, he knows what it is. He knows what that source, that power source is. He knows what it means. It means nobody can beat you. And to that extent. Yep. Um, it was, uh, I'll tell you, i say this. Our friend Nganyu, I'm not saying Jones wouldn't have beat him, but he would not have, uh, again, I want to be careful here, Kev, because I don't want to knock a guy when he's down. But I'm going to say, he wouldn't have caved. Again, Jones made him cave, mm-hmm. and Ganyu would not have submitted to any degree. If, if there was, if there was a degree of submission in this bout, then Ganyu would not have given a degree of submission. That I can tell you. He might have got beat, but not that easily. Not that easily. Yeah, it's unfortunate we won't get no, to no, see we, that I get it. Dana said, but, Dana said he's never going to sign him again. I get it, but I'm just making a point here. And it's a fair point, that, and an honest point, obviously from my eyes and my experience. But in Ganyo, I'm not saying he beats Jones, but I'm saying he makes it harder. I, I'm saying that he does not ride in the passenger's seat of that car. To a certain extent, Gan was in the passenger's seat to the car that was being driven that night. He was in the passenger's seat. Guys like Jones are always behind the wheel. Always behind the wheel. Brady, always behind the wheel. And I'm just saying that Nganyu would not have been in, say, hey, okay, I'm going to be in the driver's seat. I mean, in the passenger seat. He he would have been more resilient and, you know, yep. more prepared mentally. He wouldn't have melted under the lights uh, if there was melt. For sure. If there was melting going on. But... At the end of the day, well, great achievement. Like that. Great achievement. Great. Incredible. Incredible. And I want to say it again. John Jones, 
You're the GOAT. You're, you're special. <laughs> no, you're special. Um, and we'd love to have him on to talk to him. So Johnny Bones Jones, if you're listening, open invitation. Please come and chat with us. Uh, love to hear some I wanna, of the mindset uh, that goes into this kind of preparation. No, 100%. I want to um, just... Just real quick, I, re- I write these notes for a reason, to remind me of certain things. And I think I covered everything. I want to finish with this. My mentor, the great Customato. I've said it before on this show. If something's appropriate and right, it can never be said enough. And this is what it came down to. John Jones, I, no matter what, you were going to win. I, I understand. And for all the people out there, it comes down to this for me. Customato always told me, Teddy, when you have two people whose talents are somewhat comparable, and I know that Jones' talents are, are greater, but as I said, Gon's a pretty good athlete too, whatever. He's a big man. You know, it's not like they just, you know, pick somebody, you know, uh, out of the lobby. I mean, th- this guy is a world-class athlete. When you have two people whose talents are somewhat comparable engaged in a battle, it will always be the one with the superior will who will prevail. Will will always beat skill. And, and the only caveat to that was that Cus would say to me, Teddy, the only time that doesn't work is when one man's skill is so far superior that the other man's will, that the will never gets tested. And and uh, for the people out there that are confused by what I'm saying, I don't think you should be, but that would be, an example would be like Michael Jordan. I was talking about the great Michael Jordan. That would be like him playing against a high school player. Now, the high school player, you know, could have the toughest will in in the world, but his skill levels, he's not mature enough physically. His skill levels, no matter how strong his will, are not up to anywhere near the neighborhood of being able to beat Jordan with Jordan's skill level and with Jordan's will level on top of it. But other than that, Cuz would always bang it into my head. Always. It comes down to the man with the greater will. Will will beat skill. And um, Johnny Jones has it all. He's got all. So, again, uh, you know, that's all you had to really bet on. If you were going to the bookie, uh, you know, my bookie, that we have, or if you were going on to the windows, all you had to do was bet on that. Just like if you just had a cold moment and just said, wait a minute, it comes down to the will. Who's got the strong? Oh, boom. John Jones, give me him for, you know, give me 10,000, whatever. The final congratulations, John Jones. You accomplished something very special because you are special. You believe and you yep. know. What will happen when others only hope that they know? It's because you will not allow any other outcome except the one that you mandate, that you demand, that you refuse to let go of. And um, 
That's it. That's that's my thoughts to Mr. Jones out there. Uh, Bones, that's a cool nickname, right? Bones. And Teddy, I would say this to the people, to the fans, to the listeners, if you enjoyed that breakdown and you'd like to hear more of Teddy, go check out his Audible book. You can download it at audible.com. It's called Atlas. From the streets to the ring, a son struggled to become a man. It's awesome. It tells Teddy's whole story. And, uh, you know, people send me questions all the time about where did Teddy start this and that. You can find out everything you need to know in the audio book or the hardcover. But check out the audio book at audible.com. And if you're watching this on YouTube, do me a favor. Two seconds. Just hit subscribe down on the uh, wherever the subscription button is. Subscribe to the show. We appreciate it. And tell your friends to subscribe, subscribers. Please. Please. I didn't mean to yell you know. You gave him two hours and five minutes of entertainment that ought to cover the drive to and from work tomorrow. So guys, thank you very much for being with us. Teddy, thank you for the thorough analysis. Thank you for meeting with the fans in uh in Vegas. Um and we'll be back with you guys next week for another thorough breakdown of all the combat action. And if we miss something. A kind note, and we'll make sure we get it on the next <laughs> show. <laughs> don't, 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 don't I'm, get, don't get, nice don't get Ken upset. Don't get Ken upset. <laughs> Just be nice to me, and I'll be nice to you. Teddy, thank you for doing this. Always great to be with you. Sam and Rob, as always. Boom. Thank you. Another great one in the can. We'll see you guys next Tuesday for all the fight action. Thank you guys for being with us.